Welcome to Diggin' the Dharma, where we dig into the Buddhist Dharma and explore ways to bring these 2,500-year-old teachings into our lives. I'm Doug Smith of Doug's Dharma on YouTube and the online Dharma Institute. And I'm John Aaron, teacher at New York Insight Meditation Center and mindfulness-based stress reduction teacher and teacher trainer and founder of Space to Meditate. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Go right ahead. Yes. Hi, Doug. Uh, great to see you, John. I forgot we're waiting around, and I did say that I would start. It's fine. <laughs> Who's going to start? Okay. Uh, yeah. Nice to see you, too. Yeah. Uh, gorgeous day here. Oh, it's, yeah. It's a beautiful day. I'm sure day. it's even more so up there. It's so. very pretty. So what's today's topic? Well, um, <laughs> the today's topic is uh, about uh, exercise. And one of the things that made me think about that, or at least, you know, one of the reasons I think it's it's useful is that in my own past, perhaps my first experience with meditation was in high school when we had a class called Zen Fitness. Ooh. <laughs> Zen Fitness. You went to a progressive high school. That, well, it wasn't so. I don't know if it was so progressive, but we did have this, you know, this class anyway. Um, it was well, it was it was a high school that had a lot of weird stuff in it. Um, <laughs> so, so the class was basically like involved med- regular, you know, sort of seated meditation, but the you know the the fitness part of it was that we would uh, we would jog in a sort of indoor track around and around in circles. And it was supposed to be sort of like, you know, walking meditation, except that you were, you know, except you were not walking, but you were jogging. Mm-hmm. Um, so, following the breath and that sort of thing. And and uh, and, and I enjoyed that. And, you know, sort of ever since then, in a, in a, you know, in sort of the back of my mind, I sort of think of, uh, you know, sort of doing exercise as a kind of a meditation practice or a kind of, you know, a practice that's associated with the same kinds of practices as as in as in Buddhism. Sure. You know, they're bo- more body body focused directly. Um but I mean you think of the uh you know how important it was in certainly in in Zen it is important you know to go out and chop wood and carry water not only because you have to chop wood and carry water but right. because it's you know especially nowadays it's really necessary I think for somebody to spend time chopping wood and carrying water in order, frankly, in order to make your meditation more effective, because otherwise you're kind of, you know, (laughs) or at least I would be if I were not. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that, well, first off, the, anybody who's taken an MBSR class or almost any mindfulness class, you know, we talk a lot about informal practice. And I have, in an MBSR class, people will often come to me and say, well, what about meditating while I'm running? Or what about meditating while I'm on the elliptical or whatever? Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, you go into a gym these days and every elliptical has a TV in front of it or every treadmill has a TV in front of it. And what is it like just to not do that, but just to be fully present? And what is it like to jog without your headsets in, but be fully present? you know, with the experience of, of jogging, there's a lot to attend to. And walking meditation, for those of you that don't incorporate that as part of your practice, you know, is, is simply another form of meditation. It's, it's instead of the breath or uh, some other aspect of the experience being the object of attention, it's the sensations of walking. So the sensations of running can easily be an object of, of attention. And, you know, I think part, there are two reasons 
the two sides of this. I mean, one is that we, you know, we can continually direct the attention back to what we are experiencing in the jogging, or we can just open the awareness and be fully present with the entire experience around the jogging, especially if we're outside and, you know, there's taking in the others who are running and the birds and the temperature and all of that, you know, this kind of open awareness style. What you're not doing, though, is jogging and thinking about something else. Or when you do think about something else, you recognize that you're thinking about something else. And then you come back to the direct experience of, of running. And I'm reminded as you were talking, uh, you know, uh, it's been a long time since I've been there, but the Bhavana Monastery in West Virginia, which is the monastery that was founded by Bhante Gunaratana, uh, yeah. yeah. um, he He's not doing it so much anymore because he's close to 100. But until a number of years ago, he would go out for long walks every day. Mm. And when he was once in New York, 20 years ago, I'd say, uh, maybe not quite that long, but almost, he was teaching at New York Inside. I was managing that retreat. And and after the retreat, we went for a walk. Three of us went for a walk, myself and another Mm -hmm. volunteer and Bonte G., when, and so New York Inside was on 27th Street. You know, we walked up to Central Park. We walked all the way around the park. And, you know, he's not a casual walker. I mean, he was really walking. And, you know, he was younger then, of course, but he was no spring chicken. So clearly this is a major, well, basically every every aspect of one's life is an, is an opportunity to practice. Sure. And so exercise is certainly part of that. The example you gave makes me think of, you know, the early suttas and the early practice around the time of the Buddha, which would involve going out every day for alms round. And, you know, you have to remember, we have to remember that the the Buddha and his disciples in general would be off in the forest somewhere. And so, every day they would have to walk several miles into the city, or into the towns anyway, in order to get food to come back, and then they would eat uh, back in the monastery area or the forest area where they were staying. And so, you know, in one sense, that's just sort of, you know, just part of life. I mean, that, some, that, that was the way the Buddha set things up. But on the other hand, it requires them, you know, to get daily walking exercise, just like Bhante G was doing with you guys, probably the same kind of thing. You know, walking several miles in each direction. Right. Uh, which is just you know it's a wonderful wonderful way to start the day because they would start really early in order you know in order to of course get done, yeah, so. yeah yeah because they had to eat before noon so <laughs> everything had to be done quickly and early you know it's funny like the the last I've I've just I've, <clears throat> this aging body is dealing with arthritis especially in my shoulders and and neck and um, so I've been seeing a physical therapist so I have these exercises to do mainly with uh, you know bands and some light, lighter weights and just those movements, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there's, it's a little disconcerting because I'm attending to the body in a way, of course, and I'm hearing all the joints mm-hmm. move, you know, which of course is what happens as we get older. And, and, uh, uh, it's a little weird, <laughs> but it's there. I mean, I can't not pay attention to it. Right. And it's like, and, you know, I could freak out by it, of course. I wonder what, you know, what is this? You know, why is this doing it? Uh, and, and, but, but instead it's more like, wow, 
it's really interesting what this body does when it ages. Yeah. Know, and, and, and I know, you know, these, these sounds are not dangerous. They're just weird. Uh, and it's like, and, and I, and, and, you know, just observing the reactive mind to it. And then, you know, just being with the sound and the feeling of the movement, it's a real practice. Yeah, it sounds like a sort of an insight practice almost right there, you know. Yeah, of, uh, yeah, yeah. Seeing change, seeing, you know, non-self. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And so, it doesn't, you know, and I know, uh, and, and you have a rowing machine, I have a rowing machine. And, and, I used uh, to, we lost it in the fire. Oh, and you haven't gotten a new one yet? Okay. <laughs> well, we, I have, we, we got a... Uh, uh, an elliptical because my wife, uh, you know, it's better uh, yeah. for her to use the elliptical. Right. So, you know, um, whatever. But there's something in, of course, some movements like that. The, the rowing movement is a very meditative movement anyway. Mm -hmm. And it's this, you know, back and forth. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, any, as I said, anything we, we are doing is an opportunity to, to tune into what, you know, just so, so we could say, well, what's the difference? between the the kind of routine way we experience something and mindfulness. Let's uh, just because I'm, I'm not coming up with the word, the best word for routine. But, you know, so, you know, m many of us, you know, go out and do our exercise and we're doing whatever we're doing and our mind is off somewhere else, basically, you know, um, thinking about what we have to do, thinking about a conversation we had, you know, this just kind of stuck in itself, stuck in, you know, um, self-referential thinking in some way. And and that's fine. I mean, that happens and, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, using exercise, of course, as a as a, a time to figure out your problems <laughs> you know, or deal with your problems, right? Right. So that's one thing. But the, the, you know, what we're talking about is actually really being fully aware, holding the experience fully in awareness. And taking in the entire experience uh, of the movement, of the, the body's response, of the external sensations of passing through the space and the internal sensations of stress on the muscles and, and you know, the pounding of the feet on the, uh, on the, pave, the pavement or the track or whatever. And so there's this, you know, knowing what we are knowing, in a sense, there's a... And that's the difference. And I'm also reminded of a, a number of years ago, maybe this really was 20 years ago, I think. I was, I was offering classes on a weekly basis at the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. So the Federal Reserve Bank in New York is an enormous building. It takes up several city blocks. It's huge. And yeah, yeah sits in the middle of the financial district, of course. And there were, you know, various people in the... You know, there were a group of regulars that came into the class, and and I remember very specifically one woman, and we did we did sitting meditation and some walking meditation every every week. It was only an hour, but but one woman came in one week and said, you know, I I was um, really struggling with something last earlier this week, and I decided to go out and do a walking meditation. So I went out uh, of the building, and I walked around the building once. And I realized the whole time I was walking, all I was doing was thinking about this problem. So then I walked around it again and just paid attention to what mm. was in front of me and what the experience was. And that made the difference, you know? Yeah. So it's like, 
when we have something that we are trying to like work out mm-hmm. rather than cognitively going out and going into the problem and trying to like fix it if we actually trust the spaciousness of awareness to to in a sense allow the solution to arise mm. you know that's a different experience altogether yeah, I mean, I think there's room for both. Um, of course, there's sure. you know room yeah. for us to sometimes you know walk around and think something out, but there's also room, as you say, for us to realize that the walking has done its you know the thinking the the, the thinking mind has 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 done enough. <laughs> we've we've come to the end of that road, and now yeah. you know it's best just to leave yeah. that aside. Yeah, you know, or it can work the other way. You know, or you, it can you work sort the other of way, let yeah. the space of awareness sort of allow uh, ideas to arise from wherever and then work that into the thinking model. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, that's, that's either, either path can be impactful. Yeah. Um, There's also, I mean, I think a wonderful, uh, I have to, I have to admit, usually I listen to music when I'm, when I'm, exercising which is not the most meditative way to do things i understand depends on the music but it, yeah. well in general you know <laughs> in general it's not the most uh, but but uh, what i find wonderful in 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 an exercise um i mean there's part of me that doesn't love exercising i have to admit but i have always you know for a long time i've done it regularly and, and it's it's more of an understanding of how much i enjoy it after having done it <laughs> rather than during it yeah but there's there's this aspect i think of of focus that it brings to to my mind when i'm doing it uh which is i think very uh, very interesting from a meditation from a perspective of meditation where you know one of the you know one of the goals of meditation is to achieve this kind of focus of mind, this kind of, you know, sometimes called one-pointed mind, that kind of thing. I mean, I do both uh, weight-bearing exercise and and uh, aerobic. aerobic exercise, but it's the weight-bearing exercise, especially heavy weights, that really focuses the mind. I mean, because there, I mean, I try to do some compound exercises with large, with, you know, as much weight as I can carry, basically, or nearly, um, getting close anyway. And you know, nothing focuses the mind like, you know, sort of being at the bottom of a squat and having to get back up again <laughs> or, you know, or a press or something like that where you have a lot of weight and you have to get it up in order to, get, you know, I mean, right. because you're under some threat. Uh, it's not, you know, significant threat because you always try to put, you know, safeties in place so that you're not going to die. Right. But, <laughs> but you know, it doesn't, you know, that doesn't necessarily change the mental calculation when you're at the bottom. <laughs> right. Yeah. And there's, you know, this is kind of has this ex- extraordinary focus of mind that comes just at that time, where you know the whole world sort of shuts out, and all you're thinking about is is the the task ahead of you, uh, which I find it's 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 quite unique. Well, there. yeah, and this actually brings us to another area, not just related to exercise or or let's say athleticism. Mm. which is this notion of flow. Yeah, of course. Yeah, right? absolutely. And so what is flow? Mm-hmm. I, can, I can see flow as concentration mm-hmm. infused with, well, infused with mindfulness, really. Uh, I mean, because they're, 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 in a sense, related, but also different. So if we... I mean, obviously, somebody who's a great athlete, and I was just watching um, 
Simone Biles, who just made mm. a comeback last week, and it was kind of good God. <laughs> it's just like, and obviously, you know, you practice and you practice and you practice. The same could be said for musicians, right? You sure. practice and you mm -hmm. practice and you practice, and your your body has your body knows what to do without the mind getting involved, mm -hmm. the thinking mind getting involved, mm -hmm. right? And when you're doing something like balance beam or or any of that, you the moment you start to think, you're done. Yeah, sure. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and yet there are things that are happening all the time that there's an awareness of, uh, you know, just, oh, you know, you've, you're off by a, a little eighth of an inch and, and you know, something. And, and so there's an immediate, and there's an awareness of that and an immediate adjustment or, you know, uh, playing tennis where, you know, you obviously the movements of the tennis, you know, so you don't think about like where the body's going to be when it has to hit a ball. It just goes there. Mm -hmm. Right. And so there's this remarkable, like who's doing it? Mm -hmm. It's just happening. Yep. yep. And uh, and yet there's a knowing of that, you know. It's and and that's the the beauty of it. And I've, as you know, I've worked with a lot of musicians, and and both. I mean, I worked with them professionally, but then in, in when some musicians will take a class, this notion of you can be on automatic pilot. Automatic pilot is different than flow, because mm. right? automatic pilot is. Not knowing, it's just, you know, and it's an amazing thing, right? We can actually get from point A to point B without even thinking about it, and yet we have no idea what happened in between. Right. Yeah? It's, which is particularly amazing if you're driving. Um, <laughs> it happens it, all the time. Of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's like, well, who's doing that is one yeah. question. But, but then there's the notion of actually, you know, okay, letting the body automatically do what it does, but also being fully aware of that. Mm -hmm. It's like taking yourself out of automatic pilot and appreciating that this is happening. Right. Well, but I mean, the thing is that if you, if you, if you even step back enough to appreciate, you're not really in the flow and the flow, you, the, there's not enough space even to appreciate well, it, the appreciation is sort of afterwards. Yeah, right. Appreciation. <laughs> yeah. I, sorry. I, appreciation was the wrong word. There's just like this. Oh <laughs> yeah. It's like this realization. Yeah. Right. But it's a knowing. It's a knowing as opposed to just like it happens and you don't even know it. Right. Right. So knowing without knowing that, you know, really in a certain sense, I mean, it's because there's not this sort of outside awareness of the knowing. It's just sort of a, it's just sort of a knowing while it's happening, just sort of a, an awareness of exactly what's going on. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and that allows also for adjustments to happen. So it, it's, and you know, I, I ride a motorcycle. I mean, I mm. just came back from a long trip. So motorcycling is a, what I call hyper mindfulness, right? I mean, you have to be constantly vigilant or vigilant mm. mindfulness, right? So, yeah, yeah. you know, vigilant in the sense that I assume that every other driver is an idiot. You have to. And I just have to, you know, you have to like always mm. know what the avenues of escape are if, mm -hmm. if somebody like suddenly, you know, pulls into your lane or. Right. And at the same time, so I mean, if you were just vigilant, you would be a wreck. <laughs> yeah. You know, you'd be just like gripping the handlebars and or the, the bars and, you know, he's like, ah, gritting your teeth the whole time. But if you're mindfully vigilant, it's just like, okay, I know, you know, the bike, the, the motorcycle has its capacities. I know how to, to control it. There's a knowing of how to control it. There's a knowing of the experience. At the same time, there's this continual, more vigilant awareness of everybody around me. And then when there, when somebody does do something silly, right, 
uh, or stupid or, you know, just, it's not really, you're thoughtless. Thank you. You know, then it's like, then it's like, okay, that happened. And and there's a, there's a response to it, but it's not a panicked response. Yeah. Right. Um, It's, it's more like, okay, that has to happen because, because that's part of what the whole experience is. Mm -hmm. And the same thing could be said for, you know, musicians. They, you know, so, so I know that there are musicians who everything is so, Automatic. I mean, so so. Uh, I don't want to say easy, but they they have they have a facility that makes the playing itself easy, mm-hmm. and they can easily get into automatic pilot. You know, if they're in an orchestra or or, or something like that. But then suddenly there's a something changes, <laughs> and it and it wakes them up, or they can just be you know in the flow. They're always, they're fully awake all the time and they're adjusting to their emotional response to something. They're just, there's like a continual adjustment that's happening and there's a knowing of that. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because you can, you know, as, as somebody listening, generally you can tell if somebody's fully present in their performance or not, mm. you know, or if they're just, you know, it's more than just playing the notes, obviously. Going through the motions, Yeah. There, there, there can be times when when there's just nothing there except the notes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's because the person has lost presence. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And of course, so it's of course like, oh. yeah. And, and so all of this is, you know, just, you know, in a way, uh, you know, it's the value of practice. But if, if, we, if we then come back to formal practice of just sitting, right, can we, you know, that's, that's kind of bringing it down to its simplest thing. Mm-hmm. Like we're just sitting. <laughs> yeah, and well, I mean, the the Buddha sort of all this brings to mind how the Buddha described practice in general uh, as similar to training a thoroughbred horse. That was sort of one of his famous similes of practice. Was you know that the first hundred times you would bring the horse around the you know, I, I guess it's a jumping ring or whatever it happens to be, or I don't know how they would train horses back in the Buddha's day, but in any event. Let alone um, thoroughbred horses. It's not something I would have thought they had, but who knows? Well, that, this is how it's translated. Yeah, yeah. In any event, okay. it's, it's supposedly, uh, you know, a very fine horse, I assume. Uh-huh. The sort of, the sort of horse that would go into the king's service yes, is the idea. Yes, there you go. Okay. So, you know, they, tra- they train the horse and it just ta- it has to go through the same uh, procedures, the same motions a million times. And it doesn't like to do it at the beginning. It doesn't know what to do, obviously, at the beginning. But over a period of time, it gets better and better until it does it without any instruction. It does right. it does exactly what it has to do with that instruction. The Buddha says this is this is exactly what, you know, this is what training is. This is what practice right. is. Right. So that you get at the other end of it and you, you know, you don't need to remember the instructions to, you know, not kill, not steal, not, you know, that kind of thing. You don't need to remember the instructions. They just come up naturally. Right, right. And, I mean, that's, I think, what, we, what, you're, what you're getting at, uh, that you then, you know, you're beyond, as, as they say, you're beyond training. And so, some people will say that, you know, the, the, the enlightened being is somebody who's always in this kind of flow state, you know, Who's I, I don't know what it's like to be an enlightened being, so I can't say. But it's certainly you know there there seems at least to be certain potential parallels there, where at least as far as training goes, at least as far as Buddhist practice goes, 
there isn't any more any necessity of remembering the instructions because they just come they just come up naturally yeah and i think that so so when we're when we're in formal practice and and you know more and more i i hear teachers like I don't want to say downplaying the necessity of formal practice, but it's like the length of the formal practice isn't as important to some as it is to others. Mm. But informal practice where we, where we're literally not doing anything physically except sitting, which in itself can be for some people challenging. Or walking. You'd be walking. Yeah. You could be walking as the mind itself finds the focus or, or becomes unified in a way. So it's not continually reaching out, you know, and and then we really are in the flow of experience but there and 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 knowing and there's a knowing of it and so you know it's it's a little different to do it when you're just sitting or even doing walking meditation you know because in walking walking meditation can so easily become automatic pilot very much so mm-hmm. and it's actually an excellent way of experiencing the difference between automatic pilot and flow because, you know, if you were doing a walking meditation and you get stuck in a daydreaming and 10 minutes later, you're still walking, <laughs> you know, which will, will happen, mm-hmm. right? Then, sure. then, you know, you've just wasted. No, you've just, <laughs> you've just gone. You, you have no idea what you were doing for those 10 minutes, except daydreaming. Right. You weren't aware of the body moving. And again, it's remarkable that the body can do that. In walking meditation, you're not likely to. Well, you could hit a wall, I suppose, but <laughs> the um, it, you don't usually, though. <laughs> yeah, and and um, you know, or you know, there is just the body moving and an awareness of the body moving. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the coming back that's the that's the practice, yeah, right? Of it's course, the, <laughs> um, shouldn't beat yourself up about too too much. Oh no, we all of go through not. it. We all yeah, go yeah, no, it. no, no. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for yeah. Sure. <laughs> but uh, anyway, yeah. So so. So many places of practice and exercises is a great one. And but you know what else is a good one? I think uh, <laughs> <laughs> is like drinking a cup of coffee. Yeah, yeah. I mean, both of them will wake you up. I and mean, I think that's one of the great things about <laughs> about exercise is it wakes you right. up. It, it makes it better for you to, to meditate afterwards. And a cup of coffee is the same thing. I think. Yeah, and and but just also the process of making the coffee and drinking the coffee. <laughs> yeah, that is you know we can do it automatically, of course, but there's something actually quite. You know, in Zen tradition, it's about tea, you know, the tea, yep. making the tea and the, the whole tea ceremony. And in, in coffee, I, I always recommend to people that in a class that they, they, if they're coffee drinkers in the morning, that they actually attend to the whole process, you know, and are fully present with the whole process from start to finish. And it's hard, you know, because, oh, I'd much rather drink my coffee while reading the paper or whatever, you know, and, and yeah, you can do that, but it's, it's, it's different to just have the coffee. Mm-hmm. What is the color? You know, really, really noticing all aspects of it. So another area of practice, maybe we should do a whole podcast on drinking sure. coffee. Yeah. 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 And you can have room for both, you know, spend a, spend a minute just, just with the coffee mindfully and then turn to the paper and read the paper. <laughs> <laughs> then, if you actually read papers, literally, well, papers well, or, days, but, yeah, yeah, sure, that's whatever you, <laughs> whatever you, yeah, okay. So, folks, we'd love you to buy us some coffee because you know it's a serious part of our practice, and I know you want to support our practice and support this program. So, you are welcome to support the program by. 
pitching in over at Buy Me a Coffee, Buy which is on coffee. Our, linked on our website. Yeah, so digandthedrama.com. We hope this has been helpful. And uh, feel free to send us your comments, your questions. Exercise routines. Your, exercise your favorite, routines, ex- favorite yeah, exercise routine. <laughs> and uh, until next time, keep digging the Dharma. Yep. Yeah. All right. See you later, Doug. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review on your podcast directory. And please check us out at digginthedharma.com where you can leave a comment, buy us a coffee, and even become a member. You can find out more about me, John Aaron, at johnaaron.net and Doug at dougsdharma.com. 